Welcome to Contemporary Rebellions, South Korea's social movements today, where each episode we explore different social movements, challenging existing power structures, and demanding a better world. Each episode, we will focus on a different social movement or a set of social movements, and we will hear directly from practitioners from the field, factories, and streets. We're your hosts for today's episode. I'm Sam. I'm Tom. I'm Anna. For our third episode, we're taking a look at the struggle of migrant workers in South Korea. South Korea remains one of the most ethnically homogenous countries in the world, and who qualifies as a legitimate member of the official body politic continues to be defined predominantly through a lens of ethno-nationalism that arose in part in resistance to Japanese colonialism. A component of this is that migrant workers in South Korea face the biggest wage gap between foreign and native-born workers amongst OECD countries. This has meant that the migrant workers' struggle for recognition of their rights as workers and members of society has been long and hard-fought, and by necessity drew in part on the support of pro-migrant solidarity activism. What has perhaps been most incredible is that much of this activism has been carried out by undocumented workers who have opted out of the official government-regulated system to escape unfair working conditions, often leaving them more vulnerable to exploitation. As the migrant experience in South Korea includes such a diverse range of stories, we have decided to focus on the activism of migrant workers who predominantly entered South Korea through the government-operated Employment Permit System, or EPS, coming here on E9 visas. We hope that we may cover the struggles of other migrant communities in future episodes. In many ways, migrant workers in South Korea work in conditions that the labor martyr Chon Tae-il, who we covered in the previous episode, fought against. While working conditions have improved in different ways for ethnic Korean workers, migrant workers continue to face extremely difficult working and living conditions and have few opportunities to organize. They are also treated as highly temporary and expendable workers, with a unique level of precarity that leaves them open to abuse, discrimination, and deportation. Common issues faced by migrant workers in South Korea include confiscation of passports by employers, employers confining workers to dormitories, physical, verbal, and sexual violence, deduction of wages for forced savings or industrial accidents, a high rate of industrial accidents including loss of body parts, excessively long working hours, and racial discrimination. Despite this, as we will hear, a number of labor actions, including strikes and sit-ins, were taken by migrant workers from the 1990s onwards, and this has helped to increase public awareness in their struggles. Next, we're going to hear The Grave of the Hand by the migrant worker band Stop Crackdown.
place the organized migrant worker movement in context, we will hear from activist academic Chorhyo Kim, who recently completed his PhD thesis on this topic, in part drawing on his experience working within the movement. Then we will sit down with Sheikh Al-Mamun, Vice President of the Migrants Trade Union, MTU, to discuss the work of the MTU and the ongoing challenges they face to advance the rights of E9 and undocumented migrant workers today. We were also on the streets on December 15th to talk with participants and at the annual Migrant Workers Rally, which marked International Migrant Workers Day 2019. According to statistics from 2016, there were 1.6 million immigrants in South Korea. Amongst those, 279,000 were E9 migrant workers, and 254,000 were H2 migrant workers who are migrant workers of Korean descent. Before working on his PhD thesis at Sydney University, which is titled Temporary Labour Migration, Social Movements and Neoliberal Transformations in South Korea, Chol Hyo Kim worked for Amnesty International Korea and Lawyers for a Democratic Society, Minbyon, and then the International Organisation for Migration. He currently lectures at Songgongwei University, Sogang University, and Chongbuk University. Labor migration can be divided into three stages. First, the late 1980s to the early 1990s. Second, the private-run quasi-temporary labor migration scheme known as the Industrial Trainee System, or ITS, from the early 1990s to the mid-2000s. And third, from 2004 until the present, under the Employment Permit System, or EPS, which can be described as an employer-driven and government-operated temporary labor migration scheme. From 1980s, uh, South Korean industrial uh, system or labor market has already been changed. The major difference was transnational cooperation has been growing very fast. Well-known companies, South Korean companies today, were not really that big companies at the time, but it's been growing very fast. But one of their strategies was lowering the labor cost. So the way they want to do was just they wanted to outsource as many parts of the, their work to small companies. So there has been already kind of a transformation of the industrial kind of a format. And they wanted to have low-cost workers, but at the same time, there has been increasing democratization of the labor market and labor union has been increasingly influential. Obviously, after 87 democratization, we could see like rapid uh, increase of the wages of the workers. But, you know, big companies wanted to keep the low cost of the wages, so they they also work to the minimum, medium and small companies, which cannot afford the Korean workers. So they started hire migrant workers. There there were some policies for mostly for high skilled workers. So if I we look at those you know statistics at the time, most workers with uh, work visa were from U.S. you know or Canada who t- had came to teach English mostly. But what at, at the same time what happened was the. After 1987, the government was trying to open its border toward, you know, former communist countries, for especially China and Soviet Union. They had like the no-tail government use a term, such kind of a term like northward policy. So they wanted to have a better kind of diplomatic relations with China and Soviet. So 
uh, after that, you know, a few Chinese people started to come to Korea in 1986, 7, 8, 8. At the same time, South Korea, you know, organized, held, the, you know, Asian Games and Olympic Games. So they had to, you know, give, give visas to, you know, people who want to come. So many Chinese people started to arrive in Korea, you know, with just tourist visa, but they ended up with staying in Korea for work because they found out jobs here. And and there was like big gap between the economic level between you know Chosanjo community in China and Korea. So uh, you know small companies uh, you know enjoying low wages and poor uh, you know low wage uh, labor cost. At the same time, they were not really trained in immigration kind of rate, and they didn't have like very sophisticated system to control the. Uh, undocumented migrations from 1990s manufacturing basically has been moved out of the country they they moved out for uh, lower wages so a lot of companies you know uh, built their factory in china and vietnam laos but the thing is uh, there are some companies uh, which could not move out of the country uh, yeah, actually, it was Kim Young-san government which introduced the ITS, Industrial Training System, 1993 and four. And well, what they did was uh, they hired industrial trainees. And actually, industrial training system is not really n- very new one, but there was like increasing number of industrial trainees who are high school students. So they hired high school students for you know, especially for at the like second or third year. Then they use them as a low wages uh, workers in poor working conditions. So there was already kind of a increasing number of this kind of production patterns, and and they wanted to have migrant workers as industrial trainees. The thing is, uh, they can pay less because they are trainees, you know, status. They are not considered as like full workers, so they are they are not really protected by the uh, labor law at all. So that was like that of the problems, I think. Yeah. Basically, ITS didn't work. <laughs> The thing is, a number of migrant workers, when they came to Korea, they had to pay a lot of money. Like in the case of Vietnam, they had to pay almost like 10 million Korean won to just come to Korea. But obviously, they don't have that money. If they have money, they didn't have to come to Korea to make money. So they had to borrow money from families, relatives, and then they arrived. But they realized they cannot pay the money back within, you know, the restricted time or in poor work I mean in with the low wages they received so what they decided is like after a bit before end of their contract just they you know walked out of the company and then was trying to find other jobs but ironically undocumented migrant workers are paid better than industrial trainees because they are somehow trained they have more skills and also, they have a more uh, bargaining power than industrial trainees who are really, you know, has to be stuck to their employers. So at one point, the proportion of undocumented migrant workers who entered as a ITS uh, reached like almost 90 percent. You know, so most kind of a migrant workers who came to Korea on the ITS became undocumented. There was like increasing number of uh, industrial accidents and uh, low wages was just kind of normal but the wages has been delayed the payment has been delayed so they couldn't receive wages for years and then employer all of a sudden ran away so they couldn't get the money or sometimes their passport has been confiscated so their working condition was really really extremely bad in 1990s were like 
like that. I mean, migrant. There was no proper system for migrant workers, but there are you know almost three hundred thousand workers who are not considered as workers. <laughs> Their rights are not really recognized, and also they are always under pressure. They can be you know arrested and deported. So I think Korean economy really utilized this vulnerable workforce. For their ten years, yeah, migrant workers began to resist oppressive and exploitative working conditions from the early to mid 1990s. While not widely known, a number of company-level strikes and sit-ins were staged across the country. Well, I was trying to find out kind of the very first uh, resistance of the migrant workers at that time, and the first one I found was the uh, the suicide of. Joseonjok migrant workers. He worked for a year, but because he uh, uh, he had to spend most of his money he he earned for the p- fine to leave the country, so he was so desperate, so he decided to kill himself. But I think this is kind of expression of desperate conditions and expression of uh, grievance of them. It wasn't really. Uh, we can't really say this was like actual resistance against the government. Rules, but it wasn't really, you know, known to the South Korean society very well. I mean, uh, after that, there was a kind of the first collective actions of migrant workers, which was in 1993 in Gyeongsilion. So they they are basically industrial trainees from Nepal, and some of them are Bangladesh, I think. They were actually, I think, they're helped by some of the pro-migrant organizations in Korea, churches mostly. And they realized unpaid wages and unpaid compensation for the industrial accident and passport confiscation. All these problems cannot be solved without getting the government have more responsibility. I mean, the, at first, pro-migrant organization was trying to negotiate with employers and then resolve the problems like individually. But they realized they have to make it as a social issue. So that's why. These migrant workers decided to sit down, and you know they did went on you know sitting protest, and they were demand claim was simple. They said like we are human being, and they claim they demanded working conditions as good as just human being should be treated. And I think they called for charity rather than claiming their rights at that time. Still, that time migrant workers' resistance was not really articulated in the way. Of claiming labor rights, but it was more like relying on sympathies and charities. But I think the next protests, which was in '94, I think, was a bit different. They really articulated what they want, and they started to use the term human rights and labor rights. And after kind of this protest, government finally recognized the government responsibility to pay compensation for industrial, you know, accident. So that was kind of the first recognition of migrant workers as a labor. But still, they are not really, you know, the minimum wage wasn't really applied for the migrant workers at that time because they are in trainees. So they paid with like training level of the wages. It was only like after a couple of years, government decided to give the same minimum wage as migrant workers. So, so after that, I mean, there has been continuing struggles of the migrant workers. Especially in there was a like series of strikes in company level, and there are a few 
documentary films and a few you know, essays wrote you know, about these strikes. And it's quite impressive, actually. They were able to really organize workers themselves across the, their nationalities and languages. They managed to you know, organize and went on strike. And some pro-migrant activists joined them and helped them. And mm. I wouldn't say EPS was something very new to migrant workers, but it was more, it's, it's kind of continuation of ITS in a sense, because ITS has already been improved quite a lot throughout the 1990s. So until the end of 1990s, the ITS workers are entitled to have like minimum wages, same as national workers. But the government made a new law on migrant workers and then officially, you know, recognized them as workers. But actual actual condition wasn't really that much improved, I have to say. But the problem is, when the EPS was introduced, employment permit system was introduced, the, there was like some precondition to make the system works, which was they have to get rid of all undocumented workers from ITS. The basic idea of the EPS was after having migrant workers for three years, they will go back, and the new migrant workers will come, and then they will replace the positions because the work they're going to do is low-skilled work. But actually, it's hard to define what is low-skilled work. And after three years, most low-skilled workers become skilled. <laughs> the government didn't want non-Korean people you know, settle down in South Korea. So the government has to get rid of all undocumented migrant workers until 2003. But undocumented migrant workers were kind of... Uh, many people, I mean, not only workers, but also employers, didn't understand why... Why don't you just keep us <laughs> and legalize us and then make us part of labor market instead of uh, having new migrant workers? Why do you introduce new workers? And a lot of people went on strike in the end. So the government at first wanted undocumented workers to leave the country voluntarily. So they set up kind of sp special period for them to leave a voluntary return to their home countries. But the basic idea is the government didn't want migrant workers to Korean citizenship. So that was a kind of a the line. So migrant workers, undocumented workers were really desperate at the time. I mean, they started to get to churches and as the final date of the voluntary return period approaches, they you know, they had to decide whether they leave the country or they have to find safe place where they're not gonna be arrested. So most workers brought everything with them and then just, you know, came to churches and one of them was Myeongdong Cathedral. And so, of course, many Korean civil society also helped these groups. But in the end, some pro-migrant groups in Korean civil society had to accept new rules of Korea, EPS. They made a kind of practical decision, they'd say. But others who stayed in Myeongdong Cathedral were the most kind of the hard line. So they wanted to set up like a work permit system. The difference is free choice of jobs. Whether workers can choose their job and then get visa out of that, or whether employers uh, have right to employ workers and then you know give visas. This group who were in the Mandarin Cathedral were isolated because most workers do not want to take the risk. But these workers in Myeongdong Cathedral went on the protests for 380 days. But the thing is, already after like a couple of months, they realized we are not sure we can win this struggle. And at the same time, 
a number of leaders of the movement were arrested and deported one by one. So what they decided is we cannot break down like this. We have to make at least one achievement. That was like uh, establishment of the MTU, the Migrant Trade Unions. At least we have to maintain our union as a trade union form. So that was the beginning of the MTU of today. Uh, if I think, I mean, we try to think back why the government introduced the employment permit system. If you look at you know, the documents of that time, that was the whole purpose of this program, actually. This program, because we return migrant workers after three years or five years, we can, we can prevent them get unionized. So that was the whole purpose of the government anyway. And they wanted to have more and more ununionized or precarious workers. And then after a certain period of time, about the time they cause some problem in the society, we can send them back. So that was our policy of the temporary labor migration program. While the first peak of activism was in the early to mid-2000s, with many of the leaders having been deported, and with a new wave of workers coming in on the newly introduced EPS, organized resistance was less pronounced in the latter half of that decade, but resurfaced in 2012. I think there are different reasons why the uh, rise of the movement at the time. 2012 is like after eight years after the EPS introduced. So for the eight years, there has been a lot of changes in the EPS itself because at first the EPS was designed to hire migrant workers for three years and then return them. But it didn't work at that, right? Because employers wanted to keep the workers and the workers wanted to stay longer so they increased the stay up to like four years and ten months. Why? Because if they reach five years, they can get <laughs> citizenship. So they stop them two months before they approach the citizenship. So uh, after that, the government also changed you know, the policy to renew their stay up to almost like ten years if migrant workers go back to country and come back. So the original principle of EPS has already been, you know, breaking down. So there was kind of increasing uh, uncertainty among the migrant workers. At the same time, there was new, new, you know, arrivals of uh, new migrant workers from Cambodia mostly, I think. Cambodian workers are so active at the time, but they are new. So they were not aware of how the EPS has been changed. And also, I think the core problem was government wanted to restrict the choice of job even worse than before. In the past, EPS allowed migrant workers to have like one year contract and then renew or you can change the jobs after one year. But that was designed to have uh, workers in more precarious condition. But workers use these things to have more bargaining power with the employers. So the government changed the rules and then they set up the migrant workers have to have like three years contract, which means within three years you cannot you know, change your job freely and you cannot have chance to uh, increase your wages and so on. So workers are really frustrated about these changes and also the government introduced new rules about changing jobs. In the past, workers could just choose their job. They select their job, but the government wanted to give the list of five new working places they can change their jobs and that affect wages basically you know 
that affects the bargaining power of in individual employers. So they are kind of frustrated and they are worried about this. So I think that was the rise of migrant workers movement in 2012. Temporary labor migration program has been really institutionalized after the EPS. So some you know NGOs were legally selected by the government and then became service delivery organizations. But many of the strong organizations worked for advocacy or migrant workers movement just turned themselves to service delivery organizations. And there were only a very limited number of activists who refused to receive government money and then continue to claim the more fundamental changes in labor migration rules. They were very small, but they managed to organize new workers by the time of 2012 and but after that again because are too busy with their work and uh, long working hours and it's it's become a more and more difficult for them to get unionized so many migrant activists says migrant workers who came under ITS and who came under EPS are quite different they already precarized and then as a precarious workers they have to set up different kind of set of strategy <laughs> Next up, we're going to hear a song by the migrant worker band Stop Crackdown. It's called Payday. day sit-in at Myeongdong Cathedral. On the 3rd of May 2005, the Equality Trade Union Migrants Branch, ETUMB, was dissolved and the Migrants Trade Union, MTU, was launched by 91 migrant workers affiliating with the KCTU. However, without government recognition, the MTU was unable to exercise the constitutionally protected rights to organise, collectively bargain and take collective action. The first four MTU presidents were all deported. The fifth, Michelle Katura, was denied re-entry after a brief visit to their home country despite holding a valid visa. Struggle at first was more focused on undocumented workers who entered through the ITS, but from 2009 started to have more success representing EPS workers. Next we'll hear from Sheikh Al-Mamun, Vice President of the Migrants Trade Union. We want 
Welcome, Mama. Can you tell us a bit about who you are, why you came to Korea, and why you got involved with the MTU? Yes. Hello, I am Mamun from Bangladesh. In 1998, I come to Korea first time to uh, like a tourist. And then I work in uh, undocumented migrant workers in here. So I think it's uh, 2000 that I work some factory and then I finish my work. And then I talk my boss to give me my severance pay. But my boss, they say that you are undocumented. So you have no severance pay. And at that time, some of my friends introduced uh, that time uh, that now we have Migrant Trade Union, MTU, that time E2MB, like Equality Trade Union. And then someone introduced ETU. So I go there and then I say that uh, my boss, they don't keep my money. And that time E2MB, uh, someone called my boss and then the next day, the boss called me. Oh, you come here and take your money. So I think the union have a powerful organization. And actually in Bangladesh, uh, someone help somebody, then we give some gift her. So uh, next Sunday, that time, I go to the uh, empty office. And then I say, I give you some things. What do you like? So that guy said that, oh, I don't need any things that w now we are make demonstration to legalize our migrant workers and make the visa WPS. So you have time to join us to our rally. And then this is first time to um, go to the rally in 2000. And then at the time, I actually, I don't know the Korean very good that time. But you know that uh, there are many the Korean demonstration. They there are many song in Korean demonstration song, and one of their song is Iron Workers. And then at the time there have a one boys. I live one day that I live to a human. So I heard the song, the boys, and I think, oh, I don't live in here like a human. So and next week I go to the union. And then I remember the union membership, and then I work for MTU. Can I ask you, before you came to Korea, were you involved in any trade unionism activity? No, 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 no. I actually, Bangladesh, I go to an university student in first year. So and then I come here. I don't know. I don't like to like activists. <laughs> What's your job at the MTU? What, what are you involved in? with the MTU? Actually, I am senior vice president in MTU. My work is to make a struggle plan and to how to organize our MTU member. So in planning site, I do planning site in MTU and make many plan. And last year, we make the tutu bus. This is my plan. So I do something. I'm not regular worker in MTU. Can you tell us about the tour bus going around the country to different areas? What does it involve? At that time, we think that there are many problems in the local just uh, farming site. So uh, it's very hard to farm worker. They come to say some things. Why not? This is very distance in Seoul. So at that time, we things were go to the farm. And then we protect uh, the farm boss. And that time, we uh, one month, we go Chonan, Ansan, and Tejon, other place, and meet the boss and protesting in the farm area. 
in uh, I think we'll go that the time is 10 or 11 a farm in there. Many migrant workers are in factories, others are in farms. For the farm workers, what are the biggest issues they face? It's a big problem that Korea, uh, the Korean uh, labor law, that have, have a rules in 63. The 63, the rules, uh, they're not like same. That many of workers who are uh, working in the factory, they have many opportunity. But existing law is made in farming site in 63 is a law. That in Korea is a bad law that there are no that no overtime. That uh, actually the Korean level law is that you work eight years long and then they give you the overtime fee. But the farming they have no overtime law and also they have no fixed time how they work. Why not? You know the farming time is working in very early in the morning and then when the sun set they finish their work. So I like to say that is a big problem that actually uh, now their farming processing is factorically. I actually know the farm they are working not in field. They are working in the greenhouse. So greenhouse we are don't uh, like to say that is a farming. It's a, like a factory, like a factory. So they uh, they say that is a, a farm. So they the boss. They get the opportunity. Uh, Sixty three rules. But uh, the workers, their work, their over than 300 and 316 hour work the factory, but they not take their money. They not salaries properly. But it's a big problem is their housing system mm. is not good. Many of them, uh, they live, they have a greenhouse and then they have a container. And then the uh, worker, they leave their container and then no, there have no separation like man woman they live together and many of them they were the farming boss they have office and then the migrant workers live there so there are many big problems that like that a woman mm-hmm. there are many sexual harassment in there at that time where things were go to there and then we are make a issue in korean society and at that time, uh, many of newspaper, many of uh, TV, there are uh, news. Yeah, I, I remember last year, the protest last year, there were many farm workers who bought large photos of their living conditions, which were just plastic houses in Korean winter, yeah. which gets down to, what, minus 16. So that's uh, awful conditions. There was also an issue about the payment, farm workers having to pay for this dismal housing. At the moment, for the MTU, what are your biggest campaigns? What are your biggest slogans? What are the biggest things you're working on? Uh, at the time, we like to focus that free job chains. That why not? Uh, there are many problems that migrant workers, they have no choice to go to another factory. Then first time they come to Korea, they contact her boss and they come here. And then the boss, uh, that someone that come here, he don't not like to work there. Why not? There are many problems. That her body problem, uh, the boss all time rabbi have far. So he have no right to change another factory. So uh, we are thinking that uh, someone, the migrant workers have free job change, that they like to change another factory. The factory boss also thinks about that, that I don't do good behave. She or he go another factory. So that time where is a big issue that we are demand to a free job change and also we are demand that you know there are undocumented people in Korea, undocumented migrant workers, in many of migrant workers in here. 
so we are also demand to document her registration her the crackdowns is a big part of your rallies stop the crackdowns um can you tell us a bit more about those the many of people couldn't people that why you protest why you say uh, stop the crackdown why you say this situation there are many migrant workers they come here they are undocumented to the korean government policy their korean government policy is good they are not undocumented the many of uh, undocumented migrant worker they said we don't uh, we don't like to stay here undocumented we like uh, we like we live here is a registration worker we we like to pay the tax but korean government uh, don't do this for that uh, many of people so is very bad things that the korean immigration they uh, go to some area some factory to crack down and then for that many of migrant workers are uh, their injury and this year one thailand migrant workers die to uh, crack down and last year one myanmar people and many of people and we are don't actually we don't know about uh, all things the other news not focus all of migrant uh, crack down system uh, actually in masok i know the poor uh, migrant workers they are not die but their their injury is very big injury their two leg broke so many of history that oh, actually i don't say like this one this one this one there are many why not the uh, korean immigration when they are uh, crack down only immigration not uh, do the work they are rent some outside people but they don't know the law they think that i caught someone then they give me a job so they do the wrong things i remember several years back at a rally i met one bangladeshi migrant worker who was who was undocumented and his story was interesting it was he worked at a was it a painting factory i think he fell he injured his back he went to the boss and the boss said okay go back to bangladesh so he left the workplace and became undocumented and kept working. I mean that's often how it works. A bad workplace but they don't have a free choice yeah. to move so they become undocumented. What is life like for migrant workers in Korea? Actually I I say that it's not good not bad. Why not uh, that uh, some of migrant workers they are uh, come here to meet some uh, good people, a uh, good boss there's okay. but we now we are saying that um, many of migrant workers the policy is very hard the korean policy uh, that i say like that that many of migrant workers they are think they are come here to work korea and learn the korean language uh, to mix the korean culture so they not go their country they are already they live like to live here the issue of violence in workplaces and violence against migrant workers has been well documented and often videoed by migrant workers themselves can you tell us a bit more about that last month one of uh, thailand women's the boss every time uh, sexual violence her and at last the uh, migrant worker um, make a video and then she uh, go outside and then all time she deny that do, don't do this but the boss and uh, the guy say that uh, there are uh, many women in there and every day night 
there are two guys, uh, Korean guys, come our room, but they're a separate room. They actually don't know why they do the room there. So at last, when a room come the Korean guy, and he take the video, and then call the police. Has there been any change from the beginning of the migrant workers coming to Korea, the beginning of the MTU up until today? One thing's changed that I say like at 1905 and uh, 1906 uh, when the uh, Korean uh, visa, they have Korean government no allow that as uh, workers. But this time in, uh, in EPS, the Korean government uh, allows worker. So uh, they have right to same right to uh, Korean worker rights and their rights is same. It's a good thing that I think. But uh, the Korean uh, government policy is like uh, same uh, in 20 years ago and now it's same. It's very hard. And then uh, I still like to that that uh, yesterday I go some seminar and that that we are la- now we are demand to give the free job chance to allow to allow go somewhere then the worker like uh, you know the EPS worker is the only they have no rights to go another factory her own choice but in Korea there are m- many migrant workers. Uh, like you, uh, the Korean Chinese, the S2 visa, uh, the another visa, they have a, uh, like to their choice to go another factory that they own. But uh, in that the EPS workers now in 30% workers in Korea, they have no choice to go another site. We were chatting before on the way here about recruiting in the MTU. We were saying that now that the two heads of the MTU are from Bangladesh and Nepal, then your membership has a lot of people from Bangladesh and Nepal. Whereas in the past, when I first came here, uh, the MTU was headed by a Filipino person, so you had more Filipinos. It's got to be difficult organizing a union with so many different languages, of all the different people with so many different languages. And I know this from working with you guys and translating all your signs. There's a lot of translation that needs to be done. What are the biggest challenges for building the MTU and for getting new members in? It's uh, two things. One thing, the communication. That, like, say that I am come here to uh, talk about you, but it's very hard to me to like to say English. Uh, my English is not good, but in many of migrant workers, uh, they use their own language. So it's hard to me that I am uh, actually, I, I know Bengali and uh, Korean and a little bit in English. So I am had to organize someone. Why not is organize is a uh, big thing that someone believe you and then you lead someone. And then uh, the guy uh, came, ask, come, come you. So it's very hard that you organize someone that you don't know the language. So it's a big challenge for us that how to solve the problem then that time the MTU we are uh, like to choose some other country uh, leader that join MTU but it's very hard and one thing that uh, at uh, first we said that migrant workers have uh, time to stay in here for years 10 months 
So, you know, one activist, one activist who like to, I am activist, is not easy to make her. So, so we need to time to make uh, activists. And then when I, we are make s someone that an activist, the guy go back our country. Yeah, I noticed recently you guys have been doing airport recruiting. So you guys go to Incheon Airport when the migrant workers arrive and you do an introduction and and get to know them and try and recruit people at the airport. Has that been working? Have you managed to get new members through that recruitment yes. mechanism? Actually, in many of migrant workers, they, are, uh, they don't know that uh, MTU have in here, migrant trade union in here. And so we are go uh, to the uh, airport to propaganda there. Uh, so they the, the uh, think that we have organization in MTU. And some of people uh, that were go our contact number, we give her our contact number. Some of migrant workers contact us. Uh, and, and then we solve their problem, they get the membership. Some of them, not, not a lot of, some of people. Um, what about the leadership? Like, um, you and the current president have been leading the MTU for quite a long time now. But in the past, many of the MTU leaders have either been deported or had their visas cancelled. How have you guys dealt with this in the current leadership? And do you fear for that sort of crackdown on the MTU leadership in the future? Yes, that I think is very big challenge for MTU. Uh, how to protect our leader and uh, how we do that. So we're thinking about that, that we uh, take many uh, officer staff in our office and then I think uh, uh, next year we like to do some things that we get someone in our office staff and then we go to immigration give us activist visa. But I, I don't know it's uh, easy, it's very hard. So back in 2015, the MTU finally became a legally recognised union. And this was one of the longest battles in, in, in Korea in terms of you had to go to the Supreme Court to get recognised as a union. The government tried to reject that. How has that legal recognition uh, changed the MTU? Has it helped you recruit more people? Has it helped... Uh, some of the undocumented workers feel more secure in the union. What has been the change? In migrant workers union, is a funny thing that first time in uh, two thousand five, where we uh, go to the uh, Nudumbu uh, ministry, labor ministry, and t give application that uh, migrant workers make a union, but they deny. So it's a funny things. Why not? It's not a permission like that. Actually, uh, we don't need to permission the Korean government to make a union first. But in uh, there make the situation like that, that you have need to permission. So that uh, then 2015, we make many of migrant workers uh, their uh, things that is a good job. So at that time that uh, uh, we are uh, take the permission, we have um, we have a right to go some factory, and then I, we are uh, say the factory boss 
come here and talk us about the uh, factory problem. But when we, we have no permission, we don't do like things. Uh, but this time is legal to us. Uh, so we have a power to uh, fix some factory and then we are say that I'm we are come your factory and about uh, talk about your problem. So the factory boss they don't like to talk us. Uh, the Korean uh, labor ministry they are involved. So it's a big things. Can you tell us about the Asia Media Culture Factory which you're heavily involved in? Uh, actually, uh, uh, I'm senior vice president in MTO and I'm working the Asia Media Culture Factory. Why not you know that I am uh, I am also work uh, documentary. I am also independent film and I am also independent film director. I have many of uh, film. So in our organization, AMC Factory is a cultural organization. We, we like to meet. There is a meet place that some uh, migrant cultural people they like to do music, they like to do acting, they like to do dancing, uh, they like to make a movie. And uh, the uh, Korean, also the Korean culture people, they meet in there. So in our organization, it's main things that like that. In, in Korea, there are many cultural people in here. Someone come in Bangladesh, someone in Nepal but they do uh, some cultural activities like their own community. So we like to broke, uh, uh, it's, it's good that they do her own community, her own culture, and we like to that mix thing her. So they are mix the culture, there is easy to stay in Korean society. So many of the uh, cultural people there come in here, and this time in many of uh, cultural activities with workers that like Japanese, American, Bangladeshi, Nepal, Myanmar, and Mongolian also there come here and then they do many activities in there. Okay, I just have a question about the future. What is the future of the MTU and what is the future of migrant workers in Korea? It's very hard to say, but I think. So the future is not bad. Why not? The Korean population growth is very low. So they need to many migrant workers. And then many migrant workers come here. And then migrants in an MTU, they get many of members. So it's a good thing that we are make MTU more and more strong. And then we are like to protest anything. And that time, the Korean society, they think that every time they replace the migrant workers. But five years or ten years gone, they don't do like that. We make some struggle, we need to power. And the power is the member. So I think it's a good thing that many of migrant workers come here and then empty work organize the migrant workers and then we are uh, strong more and more. So I think our future is very good. And we need to have a big plan how to we are organize the migrant workers and 
our migrant workers organized plan and also need to struggle plan so we do our best <laughs> thank you for today Mumin. thank you for coming in this morning that's been brilliant to listen to you and we will of course see you again at the next rally in the future um, thank you again uh, thank you <laughs> Contemporary Rebellions was on the street and spoke to participants on December 15th at the Migrant Workers' Day rally, which employed the slogan, We did not come here to die, to emphasize the high rate of migrant workers' deaths that still occur, 42 so far in 2019. My name is Nisha and I'm from Bangladesh. And actually, I want to travel I cannot uh, stay in one, I, I just don't want to stay in one place. I want to see more, I, I want to experience more. So at that time, I, I'm free to say that at that time I had no, a lot of money. I had a few of, uh, it was very poor uh, amount uh, what I used for to pray and came in Korea. That was a reasonable price actually for me. So I thought, uh, why should I? Why should not I use that way to go? That's why I use that way. But when I came here first as a E9 worker, EPS worker, it was really, really uh, very difficult to live life here. It's like a, I, I feel like a, oh my God, I am a prisoner now. Whatever I, wa I want to do, I cannot do anything. And what if kind I, of work do you do? Yeah. Uh, my work is, it's a plastic company. It's one-time uh, disposable products we made. And our, especially, uh, I, don't, I don't know all of the uh, company. Maybe most of, the, most of that is like that. It's very long time we, we are work uh, morning, uh, mor uh, morning 8 p.m. to 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. to uh, a.m. to... Uh, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. or 10 p.m., sometimes more uh, more than that. So it's really, really difficult. 13, 12 hour, 13 hour, 14 hour. It's very long time to work. It's like a inhuman life. And how many days a week do you work? Six days. Six days. Six days. Sometimes seven days. Uh, it's rotationally. Uh, sometimes we we don't have Sundays holidays uh, in a month. Maybe one Sunday we, we get. It's just like a, we are machine. We are work, working like a machine. We are not a human being here. I'm, my name is Danny McGinn and I've come here with the Suwon Migrant Center. We've come here to support the uh, movement today because obviously migrant workers in Korea continue, continue to suffer horrendous abuses at the hands of employers who face total impunity in the hands of the law basically. How did you get involved with that center? Um, as a matter of fact, I wanted to start volunteering in my community and a friend of mine suggested I start teaching Korean to uh, migrant laborers here. So there is a, a, this Suwon migrant, migrant Center in my city where um, basically immigrants and refugees can come and um, basically receive legal advice or do a lot of uh, language training for free. Hello, my name is Sumina and 
Worker Solidarity, which is socialist organization, and I am a Korean teacher as well. I teach Korean for those who are not native <laughs> in Korean language. And uh, today uh, I came here to support uh, migrant workers' rights. which is EPS is very bad for migrant, migrant workers because uh, they have to uh, follow what uh, the employer want them to do because to get a visa once again and they don't have a right to choose their job in Korea and that's uh, so I think uh, the system should be changed to work permit system, and uh, that's why I came here. This Contemporary Rebellions podcast was produced entirely by volunteers. If you'd like to get in touch or get involved, please reach out to us on our Facebook or Twitter pages, or send us an email at contemporaryrebellions at gmail.com. For now, we're producing this as a labor of love out of our own pockets until we decide if we can generate enough interest to make it sustainable. But we'd love your help to ensure that we can keep this going and produce a podcast that can be an invaluable tool to educators, activists, and all those interested in South Korean social movements. So please help spread the word. Until, until next time, the rebellion, rebellion awaits, awaits you. you.